Well, I'd like to welcome everyone in Auburn and Cicero and Westcott, and if you're watching online or in our podcast, I'm so glad that you joined us. You know, um, we all have a favorite kind of genre of music, movies, you know, the, the kinds of movies we like. Like in my household, my, my dad, he loved westerns. He, every western come out, he'd watch it, he'd rewatch it, you know, and he got me watching westerns. My son... He loves all the movies about superheroes. And he gives me all the background from the comics and tells me this and that, and, and he just loves them. Gwen, she likes movies that, like historical movies, that kind of give you a little glimpse of something that really happened. I wonder if you could guess what my favorite genre movie is. Go, go ahead, shout it out. At the site, shout it out. Let me see what, what you... I heard, I think somebody in Auburn said a romantic comedies. Yes, romantic comedies are my favorite. And I am still a real man, okay? My, my daughter, when she was young, she used to love going to see the movies. And we'd watch them and with her friends. And she loved romantic comedies. And so it was like the heyday of romantic comedies. So I just fell in love with that kind of movie, you know, like um, uh, Bridesmaids or, or Wedding Crashers, Hitch, uh, you know, um, Pretty Woman. All those uh, romantic comics. I'm a sucker for the triumph of love. You know, love is powerful. Love can, can overcome, you know, in these romantic comics, it's usually, you know, the, the underdog shines through and then they, you know, live happily ever after. I love that storyline because we all want to be loved. We always want to find someone who will love us. You know, and not all love stories are about couples. But you can have love stories about friends. You can have love stories in families. You, you can have people who love their country, and that's, that's about the movie theme. Or, or you can have people who, who love and care for those who are oppressed, and they rally around that. I think one of the, the strongest loves are the loves of a parent for their child. A father's love. And that's uh, really the theme of The Lion King. Hopefully many of you saw that with us and, uh, you know, have seen it already. It, it, it's a great movie. And it is this story of a great love from a father to a son. At its core, I believe. And so today what I want to do is talk about the power of love. See, the Beatles sang, you know, all we need is love. Mother Teresa said that small deeds done with great love will change the world. Love's powerful. God, who is all-powerful, is a God of love. In fact, his word says God is love. That he calls us to this, this, this love, to love one another. He, you know, when asked what the greatest commandment was, he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you know, you don't know if you're a follower of me, my disciples, by your love. This God is a great, loving God, and love is powerful. 
And here's the great news. Jesus loves us. Let me read to you something Jesus said. Now, this is after the Last Supper. Jesus knows that soon this mob is going to come and arrest him and take him, beat him, and put him through a sham of a trial. And by the next day, he's going to be murdered brutally on a cross. And so you know when it's a big transition in life. You know when the end for somebody is near. Maybe, the, maybe they're passing or, or maybe that you know, school has just ended. And you may, you're graduating. You may never see them. At those times, we communicate what's most important. And we try to make it really clear because we want it to hit home. Well, that was like Jesus. And I imagine, he, there he is, and these 11 men are gathered around him at this point. And I could just see him looking at each one of their eyes. And they're kind of really attuned to him. And it's a very emotional moment for him. And he says this to them. He says, as the Father has loved me, I mean, think about how, how much God the Father loves God the Son. It was an eternal love. It was a, a passionate love. It was an unconditional love. As a father has loved me, so, so have I. I've loved you. Just like that. And when he says you to them, he's not just looking at these 11 individuals. His glaze sees through them to all humanity, to everyone who has lived and will live. That he has that kind of love for all of his creation, regardless of what we've done. And then he says, now, remain in my love. Hang on to that love. Build your life in the soil of that love. Walk in the sunshine of that love. Be rooted in it. It's powerful. I mean, let me give you a glimpse of how powerful this love is. This is the Bible. The Word of God says this. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, understands this deep truth. He says, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor the demonic, neither the present nor the future nor any power, there is nothing that is more powerful than this love I'm going to tell you about. That's the most powerful. He says, neither height nor death nor anything that else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That Jesus loves you so much that there is no circumstance, no barrier, nothing you could do, say, or be that would make him stop loving you. He loves you that incredibly much. He would plow through anything to let you know about that love. That's his love. Head over heels. You know, I, I, I can only get a glimpse of that kind of love. I, I, I have a taste of that kind of love uh, because I am a parent. You know, when Gwen, my wife, was first told me she was pregnant with her first kid, I was, I was overwhelmed. It was like, it hit me already. I was like in love with this child. 
I haven't even met. And I'm, I, the first things that came to my mind was, oh my gosh, I'm not ready to be a dad. And it wasn't about me. It was, I'm not ready to be good enough to care for this life that I already love. And over the next nine months, I tried to get to be the best person I could be. I, I, over that time, I, I just uh, prayed for this baby and dreamed about caring for this baby. And I remember the day it was born. It was born. <laughs> My son was born, okay? <laughs> it, was, uh, it was at 7.35 in the morning. The 1200 block of Pico Avenue in Los Angeles, California. And we were in this birthing center. And our midwife allowed me to catch Josh as he came. And these hands were the first hands that ever got to hold him. And I remember when he came out and, and, and I had him. And I, I was just like, just, you know, so in love with this child, just meeting him for the first time, that my heart ached with love. My, my eyes were full of tears of joy. My hands shook. There was, there was just so much love for this child. And I remember kind of taking him and walking over and handing him to Gwen and, and Gwen taking him and hugging him and, and you know, beginning to nurse him and, and, and just tears of joy. We just loved this kid. I remember taking him home and driving home and looking at all the, the brokenness. And we lived in this really bad part of town. And, you know, there's a, we came in and there's still drug dealers out there and prostitutes working and, and walking through this innocent life. And I just remember thinking, I want to protect you from all of this because I love you so much. As a parent, you've, you've probably felt that, you know, staying up, and just staring at the child, not wanting to take your eyes off, them, just breathing it all in. That's the kind of love that God has for us. You know, in the movie Lion King, you get a sense that that is the kind of love that Mufasa has for Simba, his, his son, his only child, that there's this deep love that's the kind of love I'm talking about. But here's the thing. Just like our kids, we are disobedient and we mess up. Every single one of us messes up. The Bible says it this way. It says, for all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That we all have, have turned away from that incredible love. We've, we've tried to make our own path. We, instead of saying, yes, you love us, and we embrace you and walk and do all we can to build that relationship, we choose destructive ways and act in ways that hurt our relationship with God. And we act in ways that hurt others who he deeply loves. That's what sin is. Not walking out a fully submitted life of love before God and others. And even though we do that, realize he doesn't stop loving us. He still loves us in the midst of it. But we will experience consequences for our actions, you know, so that we can grow, so that we can learn. 
so that we can have a free will and experience the, the pain and the joy of that. There are consequences to our acts. You know, God lets us experience them because if he didn't, we would be spoiled brats. And spoiling a kid, outside of grandparenting, okay, I'll put that on side. <laughs> spoiling a kid is not loving him. Loving him is sometimes tough love. You know, my mom, I never, ever, ever doubted my mom was passionately in love with me. But man, she made me feel my consequences sometimes. I remember one time I was a freshman in high school and I came home drunk and she caught me. I wasn't really good at hiding it right then. And right away, no questions asked. She says, you're grounded for three months. Three months. You know, when you're like 14 years old, 15 years old, three months is like forever. It's like Three months, I'll be dead by then. I'll be retired by then, right? I, I was in a new school. It was like in the beginning of the fall. I mean, I was not going to be able to go and hang out with my friends for the whole semester. It was like social suicide, right? And my mom is doing it. And yet I knew she did it because she loved me. Tough love. Some of you may have children who who are struggling with addiction, who act out in different ways. You understand, it's hard for tough love. But it's important. It's an important kind of love. See, there is a cost to our actions. That when we act in a non-loving way, we begin to separate ourselves. We turn away from God. And it breaks his heart. He doesn't move, we move away. And so, because we've all done that, it moved him to action. Jesus' love drove him to give his life for us, to clean up our mess. You know, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that they lay down his life for his friends. Life is the ultimate gift. That it's the one thing we, we, we can really only give once. It, it's a total of it all, life. Now, in this movie, we, we see in Lion King, we see Mufasa's love for Simba, his kid. And even though Simba then, he at one time tells him, look, you can go everywhere, but I don't want you to go to this one area, the Shadowlands. You can't go there. And Simba, like all of us in one way or another, is disobedient and goes there. And he gets himself in trouble. We're going to pick up this scene, right? When Ufasa finds out he's in trouble. Watch this.
Oh, look, sire. The herd is on the move. Ah. Uh, Mufasa, quick. Stampede in the gorge. Simba's down there. Simba? that would be willing to give his life. Jesus said this, God so loved the world, that God so loved you and me, that God loved every human on this planet, regardless of how we were disobedient and unloving to him and others. God loved the world so much that he gave he went into action. He gave his one and only son the most prized relationship he had. The second person of the Trinity, Jesus, he gives him to us, to this, this move of action. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That if we embrace him, we can be saved from the destruction, from the damage that we have called, that we can be with him forever and not miss it. The Bible says this. It says the wages of sin, the payment for sin, for our disobedience, for, for when we're unloving to others and to God, the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. That's the sentence that we get. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, that when we embrace Jesus, when we have relationship with him, when we submit to him and receive the benefits of all that he did, then we have life. We, we, we pass over death into life because of his great love. We respond to it. You know, when, when, when we grab him, Submit to him. Let him cover us. 
Then God looks down and he doesn't see our sin. He doesn't see our brokenness. He doesn't see the evil we've done. He sees Jesus' perfect life. And then he, we have freedom to move in with him. Paul writes, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Now, atonement is when something gets paid for, that it's covered now. And Jesus was presented to pay our debt. That's why, that's why he had to die on the cross. It wasn't because God was sadistic. It was because God was just. And the payment had to be made. But his justice was only overwhelmed by his love. And that's why he gave his son. So the payment could be made. And through the shedding of blood, a death on the cross, to be received by faith when we say, yes, Jesus, I acknowledge you did that for me. I receive that. I follow you. I submit to you. Now we're covered. You know, here's the big picture. Right? Just so you don't miss it, this is a really important fact of life. We messed up. We can't fix it. So Jesus pays the price with his life because he so loves us. That's why they call it good news. It's, it blows your mind if you realize it. That's how great his love is for us. And that's what love does. It gives, even at the cost of death. You know, um, I heard about this little boy. He's about seven years old. And he had a little brother who was, I think, three years younger than him. And when he was about three years old, they found out his little brother had a, um, a serious uh, blood uh, disorder. And he had a rare kind of blood, and he had to have a transfusion to live. And um, they couldn't find a match except his seven-year-old brother. And so his dad went to his son, the seven-year-old kid, and he said, you know, look at your, your brother needs some of your blood to live. Would you be willing to give him some of your blood? And like a, a, a simple seven-year-old, he he thought about it. He looked at his dad. He said, Dad, is it, is it going to hurt? He said, yeah, there'll, there'll be some pain in it, yes. He thought for a moment again. He looked down. He looked up and he said, all right, I'll, I'll do it for my brother. And so he was put on a, um, on a stretcher and, uh, you know, prepped up and he's rolled into the uh, operating room and you know his, his little brother was in a stretcher next to him and his dad's holding his hand and the doctor's between him and sure enough when they stick him and it, it, you know it hurt and he, he yelped in pain and, and then he saw in a tube the, the blood go up and you know go into a bag and begin to go to his brother and he sat there for, for a few moments little tears in his eyes and then he he looks to his dad and he says, uh, Dad, when do I die? And his dad said, what? He said, well, 
I'm giving him my blood, so when do I die? And the dad, you know, oh, no, 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 and explained to him, no, you don't die. But the amazing thing was this little kid was willing to die for his brother. That's the kind of love that Jesus had. That's, that's what motivated him to come here, walk this planet, and eventually die on a cross. Praise the Lord. And so we get eternal life in the deal and a changed present life. It's not just pie in the sky, bye-bye. That this thing that Jesus does, it fills us, it transforms us, that even now we get new life. We get a new wave of power and purpose and peace and joy. That God moves in our lives now with incredible grace. It is incredible news. And here's my fourth point that I think is important. We are to embrace our role as his beloved kids. See, some of you listening today, right here, right now, you've never connected with Jesus. The first whole part of this was really important. I really hope you heard it, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to it. But for some of you, you've already connected with Jesus, but somehow, in some way, you've gotten off trail, off track. It's, your life's kind of become more now about you than anything. And there isn't joy and there isn't peace. And you're kind of in a hard spot. And what I want you to hear is that you can get back in. I want you to remember who you are in the midst of this love from Jesus. We forget that we're beloved children of God. We forget that we're a people with a, an eternal purpose. We, we forget that, that we're ambassadors of God's kingdom, that we've been called to move forward in confidence of a loving God behind us as we serve those around us. We've been living an unfocused life, maybe, outside of God's purposes for us. More things like, like money or prestige or the, the career ladders become more important. And you know what happens? You, you probably experience it. There's no joy. There's no peace in life. You know, that happened to Simba in this movie. If you remember after this, this death, he, he, he just gets so uh, disappointed in himself. He runs off and he lives a life outside of his true calling, outside of, of, of his father's purpose and love for him. And it's a life of just nothingness. And, and there's a, an emptiness in him. And in this scene, the last scene I'll show you today, he remembers of who he is. Watch, watch this. Simba. Father? Simba. You have forgotten me. No. How could I? You have forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. 
You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Remember who you are in Jesus. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you find yourself. Listen to what Paul writes to those already in relationship with Jesus. He says, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. That you are loved. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you find yourself right now, you are loved. And he says, and walk in the way of love. Embrace Jesus fully again. Live out as he leads, as his word calls us to love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. That we are to live this life of love, serving others, pointing to Jesus, fighting for justice, uh, leaping in faith, praying for the sick. That's who we are. That's who we get to be. And when we do those things, God shows up in a wonderful, amazing way. He loves us proactively. And we're called to love others proactively. The better we remember that and root ourselves in that, the more joy and impact we can have in our life. You know, the reason I... I, I, I communicate this message as often as I can. It's because that's what Jesus did for me. Literally, 43 years ago, almost to this day, August 5th, 1976, that Jesus pursued me, this, this angry, full of himself kid who didn't care anything about God, it just breaks into my life. And pours out his love. And I say yes to it. And from the inside out, he began to transform me. And brought peace into my life. It changed my life. It changed my destiny. It changed who I was. He's been so gracious to me. I've messed up again and again. But his mercy and grace and love has endured my stupidity. And I want everybody to be able to experience that. You know, for those of you here or in Auburn or Cicero or Westcott, what I want to give you an opportunity if you've never connected with Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity today, right now, to change your present and your future. And you just... Need to cry out to you. He's waiting. He's leaning in. It's no accident that you are hearing this message right now. And so what I'm going to do is lead you in a little conversation with Jesus. And you can, if you agree with what I was saying, if this is what you want, there's no magic in these words, but just repeat them in the quietness of your soul. And you can begin that, that relationship. You can receive that forgiveness. So everybody close your eyes. And if you want, in the quietness of your heart, repeat after me. Jesus, I need you. My life is messed up. I haven't been a very loving person. 
I'm sorry for pushing you away. I'm sorry for hurting others you love. I want to be in relationship with you. I submit to you. I give you my life. I thank you for your love for me. Take me, I'm yours. I trust you. And Jesus, I pray for each person who just uttered that prayer to you. I ask you that you'd fill them now with a deep sense of your peace. I speak forgiveness into their life. And that they'd begin to experience the kind of love that you have for them. Fill them with that, Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to do one last thing for me. Grab your connection card at all the sites. And if you'd look at it, and on the back on the bottom, it says action step, and it says, I'm committing my life to Jesus for the first time today. If for the first time you just did that, and you had that conversation with Jesus, and you really said, I want you to take my life, uh, would you check that box? Here's why. It just kind of um, reaffirms, yes, I did it. But it also, each one of your site pastors, we want to pray for you this week by name as you begin this relationship. And we're going to send you some information just so you can grow in what it means to be loved that much and forgiven. So if you, if you do that, check that box. I'm going to invite the ushers to come up front. And what you can just do is just drop the connection card in the bucket Pass the bucket down the row. At the end of the row, we'll collect those buckets.